Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to another episode of the Saddle Up Show with Shad and Destin. Man, 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 we might have seen the end of the season. Not technically, but sadly, it, sadly, that that pretty much closed the door on the season. Uh, the Colts are coming off of a twenty-four to seventeen loss on Monday Night Football to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, before we get into Talking about the game and discussing the game, Destin, I always ask, how are you doing? Good, sir. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, thankfully, it was one of those days where I was able to sell my tickets to the game, didn't have to go down there, get home at 1 a.m., because <laughs> if I had to drive home that late after a loss, I would have been uh, not in a good mindset. Also, mm-hmm. the, good, the good Lord prepped yesterday well for me, Rashad. Um, they <laughs> they decided go. to put a... They decided to put a Pacer game late on the docket. Um, tip off at ten thirty yesterday out in L.A. Um, <laughs> it was starting to look pretty depressing too. Down seventeen in the fourth, and then uh, we saw the rookie Andrew Nimhart hit a game winner. So uh, down, down go the Lakers to make make my night better. Oh man, even a broken clock is right two times a day, man. You guys escaped L.A. with a win. But but shout out to to the Pacers. Uh, see Halliburton doing historic things his last uh, three games, I believe. Um, so good for them. Good for them. Um, I'm never gonna root against the Pacers. They're they're like a, I don't know. We're like distant relatives, you know. Me being a diehard Colts fan, I feel like the Pacers is kind of like my my uh, cousins. I don't get to spend too much time with. We can be your we can be your East team. I'll accept it. <laughs> you accept it? Yeah, allow it. My West team is not really good right now, so. That's just that. So, the Colts drop a game at home, a very winnable game. Uh, if you look at, if you take a look at the schedule, the remaining schedule of the next six games, well, the next five games now, this was said to be one of their most winnable games. Aside from the Houston game that's remaining at the end of the season, this was supposed to be the easiest team that they have remaining on their schedule. Uh, the coach just came out slow, man. It came out, it had another slow, another sluggish start. Uh, we're, we're known for them. We've been having them all season with the exception of, of, of one or two games that we came out and played well. But Pittsburgh put this team behind the eight ball pretty fast, man. They they was running the ball, uh, a lot of quick game. It seemed like the coach's defense was playing kind of soft coverage and a historically bad effort by the offense in the first half. What was your first half thoughts? Watching this game, um, it was uh, it felt like a lot of the same stuff early on. Um, the defense is good enough to keep you in any game. The offense is bad enough to lose you every game. And in the first half, the offense just couldn't do anything. 
Um, Matt Ryan decided just to show us his hand early. Um, first pass should have been intercepted. Doesn't get intercepted. <laughs> Second pass is a heck of a play. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The, the DB there for um, Pittsburgh, he earned it. Mm-hmm. He Don't did. get me wrong. But an interception on the second one after should have been an interception on the first throw. Um, that to me was just gonna, it was just telling me what kind of night I was ex- should be expecting after that. <laughs> um, it, it just felt like one of those days. But uh, I mean, th- there were some high moments. Just none of them came in the first half. Right, and, and you know, I said at halftime when it was sixteen to three, I immediately started thinking, why do I repeatedly do this to myself, you know, like why I spend all week waiting for Cole's game <laughs> to come on and then it comes on. And I remember that this team is not good, man. It's not a good team. The score is 16 to three at the half, but in the second half, the coach came out in the third quarter, man, playing some really, really good football. Uh, I believe they scored 14 unanswered. There was some weird stuff happening in between there, you know, like red zone fumbles. I can't even say red zone fumbles. One yard line fumble exchange that's put on Matt Ryan's jacket that I didn't appreciate Matt Ryan being being penalized because that's gotta, that's gotta that was changed. 100% a Taylor issue on that's that, gotta, that That's got to get changed. Do you think so? Do you think they're going to, going they, to change it? They, they'll have to. I mean, the stat corrections that happen every week, I mean – I own Jonathan Taylor in fantasy, so I, I, I guess I'm semi hoping that he doesn't get, that doesn't happen. But there's just no that. way. Yeah. The live footage you just see Taylor closes his hands with one hand on the left side of the ball, one hand on the right side of the ball. It just doesn't, just doesn't yeah. happen. Um, that's not all, Matt Ryan. Um, that's four. If that does get moved to Taylor, which I think it will, that's four fumbles for Taylor on the year, and all four of them have really been killers. Crucial. Bad timing. I mean, it's not it's never a good time for a fumble. So, you know, but man. But let's let's talk about the second thing. How how the hell did Matt Ryan not recover that? <sighs> Matt Ryan looks tired, man. He looks my, like a tired my old one, man. My 1-year-old would have recovered that fumble. Matt Ryan looks tired, man. He looks old. His his hand-eye coordination looks slow as hell. He reacting slow. I literally saw that ball and thought, okay, Matt Ryan easily jumps on the ball. And then I seen it get ripped away from him. What what are we doing? It, Who's he doing? It literally <laughs> bounced right back to him. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just unfortunate everywhere all around i looked away after he jumped on it, i looked away i was like man like what, what is going on with jonathan taylor four fumbles on the year like, i was just like in my head and then i look up and they're, they're saying it's pittsburgh ball um so it, it was just like a whole debacle um in my head like like how in the world is that possible and then i saw the replay and was even more confused on how he didn't come down with that ball I never secured that ball and it's it's not like it's a team that can withstand this type of stuff. The Colts make offense look very, very hard. And for them finally to get to the one-yard line, you're thinking, just hand the ball off so nothing stupid happens and something stupid happens. So I I just can't figure out. That's when I actually tweeted was the Colts curse. I'm like, is this team cursed at this point? Like, And, it, and there were a lot of bads. I, I feel like we should probably – we skipped over a pretty good one. Um, 
I will say the kick return team just overall in the game was awesome. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I, yeah. After Dallas Flowers' electric return to really start out the second half, mm-hmm. um, they were at like 196 return yards af- after that yeah. one total yeah. on the day because they were just getting good returns all day to the 40, the 35. Like they were starting with good field position, um, they just couldn't get first downs. First downs are overrated in Indianapolis. It was a long um, time since two two kick returns at 100 yards apiece. And that's exactly what Rodgers and Flowers did. They were, they were having a day. They yeah, they, they, they were having a day. Um, he was definitely the catalyst for giving giving, giving offense a spark. And they scored. They scored a touchdown. That was the first touchdown of the day mm-hmm. after after the Dallas Flowers return. And if you wouldn't have got a touchdown for that man, I, I would have had some words after that kind of return. But he's moving. But Jonathan Taylor got in the end zone. They they did their thing. They even I mean the offense and the defense were playing well for that third quarter. They they yeah. took the lead on a lot yep. of things that I think a lot of fans had been hoping for. We saw a throw up to Michael Pittman in the corner of the end zone. We haven't seen we haven't seen the throw up plays to our big weapons all year. And that's all we were talking about is how big this offense is, and we we weren't seeing it. And they finally gave someone an opportunity to make a play. I saw some people say Michael Pittman Moss the defender. I don't know about that. That was not a Moss. If, if that was a Moss, Moss, that was a Thaddeus Moss. That, that wasn't a <laughs> that wasn't a Randy Moss. A Santana Moss. Maybe. Yeah, that, that, that definitely was... wasn't Randy. <laughs> but I mean, there, there were good things. I mean, I, I think Pitt, Pittman still had some uncharacteristic things happen, which I feel like if we keep saying that that's an uncharacteristic drop for Pittman and we have to keep saying it, eventually it's not going to be uncharacteristic. Right. Um, this this <laughs> year is crazy. This year is crazy. I'm going to try to wash this year clearing out of my head. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to take anything away from this year? Nothing. I mean, what is there to? Who even knows who's going to be here next year? Hey, Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods is going to be here next year. He had a great game. Eight catches, Boy. 98 yards, drew a pass interference in in the end zone, goal line, whatever you want to call it. But um, just kind of boxing out Minka Fitzpatrick on that play, making Minka wrap him with the left hand and, and going for the breakup with the right hand. Jelani Woods, man, did you like what you see? This Is this the Jelani Woods you was expecting? Um, how do you feel like his development has gone so far this year? Um, I mean, this was going to be a big game. I mean, for the tight ends this week, Kylan Granson mm-hmm. had been getting a lot of work here recently. Um, Wally Cox is kind of getting less and less snaps. I, I, I think at the end of the day, we kind of talked about it at the beginning of the year, Wally Cox lacks the dynamic abilities that Granson and Jelani Woods are going to have in the youth. Yeah. And um, we thought Wally Cox would still be the catalyst and the – the most consistent guy there maybe, but just not as many big plays. Yeah. Um, and his snap share is going down and down. Kylan Granson ends up missing this game because of an illness. Cause I don't know what's going down at West 56th street over this past week and a half. Man, two weeks, but everybody, everybody's sick. Um, so Kylan Granson ends up missing the game. So this was going to be a big game for Jelani Woods. It was going to, we knew it was going to be a big usage game and he, he made, he made the great opportunity. Um, it, my favorite part about it is in recent games where he's done well, it's one thing he does well. Like he had mm-hmm. the one game with two touchdowns and those, both of them were just tough catches. Like he, like that's how they used him that day. And then we saw him a few weeks later where they used him in the yard after catch realm of things and got him the ball into space. 
I thought my favorite part about this game against Pittsburgh is we saw him do a little bit of everything. We saw him make the mm-hmm. tough grabs. We saw him make grabs near the sideline, even if he fumbled it out of bounds, but it, it didn't count, so we won't worry about it. Um, that we, then we saw him get the ball in space and run for an extra yards. Like Jelani yeah. Woods is a dynamic tight end that is going to be able to grow with this offense. I mean, say what you want. And I just said I'm not going to take anything away from the season. But whenever they do get the young quarterback in, the young offensive mind in, there is a lot of fun young pieces Mm -hmm. on this offense. Is this offense good enough right now? No. Too young. They've not grown to where they're going to be. But there is a lot of young guys on this offense that can be here for a very long time if they want them to. Yeah, man. So uh, let's let's fast forward to um, what – you know, a, a controversial topic where people had different opinions on. Uh, this Pittsburgh Steelers took the lead and went up 24-17. Uh, let me find out exactly how much time was remaining on the clock before the Colts got the ball. Um, with, I don't see it. I don't see when the last drive started. But it was roughly around, I, I believe, like five minutes or something like that. It was a lot of time that they had. Four minutes. I can, get, I can give you the exact. The last drive score. Yeah, the last score by the Steelers. The two point conversion was made, and then afterwards there was nine minutes and fifty five seconds on the clock. Did the Colts take that whole drive? The and that was the, that. I mean, that was the last score. They they forced a yeah. punt. After, so yeah, but they, they got the ball back and everything, but there was a lot of time left after the after the Steelers scored. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Okay, I'm gonna be able to tell you exactly how much time was left when the Colts got. The... Okay, so this drive they forced the punt. Colts got the ball with three minutes and fifty two seconds left. Uh, they got the ball on their own seven. Um, they started off with Matt Matt Ryan chucking a deep one up to Michael Pittman jump ball. He went ahead and caught that. I remember Levi Wallace getting called for a pass interference on that play as well. And that's what everybody was waiting to see. Everybody was waiting to see the Colts take a deep shot. They feel like Matt Ryan's arm is dead, which he he does look like he has significantly less zip on it, on the ball. But I think that's more so due to the injury than to Matt Ryan himself. A lot of people probably forgot that Matt Ryan was just dealing with an injury uh, the last couple of weeks before um, when he got benched. Hey, there's a lot so, been going on, Rashad. It's easy to forget. It is. I know. It, it, I understand. Trust me. I almost forgot that he that he was injured. Uh, so the Colts are driving, and they got to a situation where Matt Ryan got sacked. Matt Ryan got sacked. He fumbled the ball by Highsmith. Um, the coach recovered it, and when the, when the coach recovered the ball, it was a minute and 35 seconds left. So instead of calling a timeout, they went to the line of scrimmage. Uh, they snapped the ball with a minute left. Matt Ryan scrambled on second and 17, picked up 14 yards, and it was in the third and three. Instead of calling a timeout, they snapped the third and three with 33 seconds left and gave it to Jonathan Taylor, went up the middle, and didn't gain anything. Got blew up at the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's when the coach decided to use their first timeouts. That was a controversial decision. I know Destin is on the side of he understands the clock management situation. Um, I'm, I'm in disagreement with that. I, Jeff Saturday, 
I under go ahead. I, I wouldn't say I understand. Like I understand the logic of why you would do it. I'm not saying I would have done it, but like what I will say is, to me, Matt Ryan gets the yardage he does off the run. I understand, especially if you would have rushed to the line of scrimmage a little faster on that mm-hmm. third down, um, trying to catch him off guard. Matt Ryan just ran for way more yards than the Steelers were expecting. Don't give him time to add anyone else on the floor on second and long right there. It wasn't going to be a heavy pass rush situation. They were going to put some air back, make sure not to allow a big play, hope for a third and long Matt Ryan gets the run, makes it a little shorter. Um, So it ends up being a situation where to me, I can see the logic of rushing to the line, calling a play. Don't let them switch personnel. Don't let them prep for the play and you go. I get that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have done it. It's a, it's a risk still, and I guess that was my mm-hmm. that was my biggest argument with people that were. And it's everywhere. Don't get me wrong. So if you, if you're in the thought process that the clock management was a killer in this game, I get it. I, I just don't see it that way. I guess I, to me, I I see the I see the logic behind it. It's a gamble. There's a lot of gambles in the National Football League. There's a lot of gambles in professional sports. Um, and it was a gamble that I would not have made in that situation. I would have just clearly called the timeout, made time. I wouldn't have thought too much into it. Um, the the other pro here is you were preventing Pittsburgh from basically getting the ball back at all. You call that timeout there, and then you score. We've seen people scoring with 15 seconds, 12 seconds, 30 seconds. So I understand trying to make that as little as possible. But where this Colts offense has been in the past weeks, I would not have done it. Yeah, that was, and that was my only argument. You know, I was on the opposite side, uh, simply for, well, for a couple of reasons. Um, I wouldn't have been trying to, I wouldn't have been too concerned about leaving Pittsburgh too, with too much time because, uh, dealing with a rookie quarterback in that situation, I'd have been confident enough in my defense to get a stop if that's what it, that's what it came down to. Um, and even if you don't, after the sack fumble, Okay, I understand. You get to the line, second and seventeen. You need a big play. Matt Ryan scrambles. That's where the tight. I feel like the timeout should have came. Running the ball just compounded the situation. In that in that particular situation, you know, uh, Highsmith came out and said after the game, they could t- he could tell it was a run play by by the way Jelani Woods was was lined up and and the way Jonathan Taylor was lined up as well. And, and it's important to know Jeff Saturday has came out and said he should have used his timeout now that he's looking at it in hindsight. He admits they was kind of scrambling, you know, and, and everything was going crazy, can, which is can understandable. We, can we talk about how people are acting like that's, a, that that's like, embarrassing and a bad thing that Saturday admitted to being wrong? No, I actually that's, respect that's, that's That's crazy weird to me that people are acting as if he looks incompetent for saying if he could go back, he would change things. That's crazy to me. No, that's 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 nonsense. Maybe maybe, maybe it's just because we live in a world where a lot of people don't want to admit those things and they just won't. They'll just say no comment. They'll say they would did it over how they did. And I mean, again, media talk is nothing that I'm going to ever put a lot of brain power into, mm-hmm. just because there's coaches are never going to give you the full story. I do think that's a situation that the Colts have a little different right now. Is that Jeff Saturday? 
isn't your average coach um, for a lot of reasons. Um, he isn't your average head coach. Doesn't have a lot of that head coach speak yet on him. So I think he does answer things a little bit more genuine than we're used to. But to me, like people that are going at him over like, wow, like this hire for the Colts was so incompetent. Like Jeff Saturday's proven this, that because he just admitted he was wrong. To me, that's the opposite. Like I, I just don't, I just don't see that way of thinking. I mean, every everyone makes mistakes every Sunday, and for him to see one, see it's being very, very publicly said, and then just to publicly say, "Hey, that was on me." I let the guys know. I let the staff know. Like I respect that way of thinking personally. Yeah, I, I agree with it too. It, uh, it takes a real man to come out there afterwards and say, "You know, I was wrong. Uh, I made a mistake." You know, and and we'll get it cleaned up. And you got to understand, Saturday's learning on the job. I'm not going to crucify a guy. You know, I know some people took that time to throw it in they throw it in his face and throw it in Ursa's face. Uh, you want a guy with no experience and, and this, this, and that. This is not the time for that, you know. We addressed that situation when that situation occurred. Now that Saturday's the guy, we're 100% behind him, and, and I'm hoping he's successful. So um, the coach fell short. Uh, at that play, they didn't call the timeout. Uh, led to when they did finally call the timeout after the third and three, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, it was a four and three. They they kind of tried to ru- run a rub play, a little pick route, and it was meant to hit Paris Campbell just right at the first down marker. But Bernard Ryman got pushed into Matt Ryan's lap. He was unable to step into that throw. He held on to it a little bit. And Bernard Ryman, I must say, he he had a pretty good game up until that drive. He got beat pretty bad a couple times on that drive. But before that drive, he was playing pretty good football. And I just want to say shout-out to Braden Smith, who did a phenomenal job on on T.J. Watt all game pretty much. But, yeah, uh, Paris Campbell turned the route up the sideline. and For the last controversial conversation of the game – is do you believe pass interference should have been called on that play? Um, no. You say so. I'm... It's not on the Minka hit because I, th- I think some people thought it was that. Um, so the the people that are complaining, it's on the coverage. I want to say that it was Cameron Sutton. Sutton, but I, I, but I, I could be so. wrong. Um, but either way, it was the original coverage on Paris, not the hit by Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Uh. I mean, to me, it's a 50-50 thing. I do, I do think he got there early, but they've been letting him play pretty much all game. And um, in that situation, you just don't want to make a call that's going to determine the outcome of a game. If it was and a I better throw. a lot throw. of people would have said no. If it was yeah, a, but if was it, was it catchable a, in your opinion? Oh, it was catchable, but it was the Carson Wentz special, the underthrow into a pass interference call. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's what it was. It was an underthrow. Paris comes back because he comes back. There is contact by the defender. So by the rules, technically, is it a pass interference? Yes. But at the end of the game, to decide a game in a sense, I would not reward a poor throw into a pass interference in that situation. I think it's a poor rule anyway when because yeah. a, a DB has the right to a ball. Like they they mm-hmm. have the right to play the ball as much as a receiver does. And when a ball is underthrown like that, it just creates every it just changes everything. And it's yeah. why we see a lot of pass interferences called in those situations. 
But in that situation, late in the <laughs> game, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it. I did not think there was enough to warrant it. And the hit by Minka that some people complained about, I thought that was completely legal. Minka came in, he was doing his job. If Paris found a way to catch the ball, his job was to make sure he didn't hold on. And he hit him hard, but he hit him legally hard. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that being a no call. Uh, so we know the fan base was split. You know, a lot of people wanted the Colts to to lose to help their draft stock. Uh, the other people wanted the Colts to win. Of course, the fans that's in there and the tenders wanted the Colts to win. And me and Destin shared a good laugh because he asked me right before the show started. Then I find myself rooting for the Colts to beat Pittsburgh, and I said, "Yeah, you know what I did." Even though going into the game, uh, my best friend is actually a Steeler fan, and me and him was arguing over who who we wanted to win. Like he wanted, he was rooting for the Colts, and I was just rooting for the Steelers. You know, when to start the game, but once the game started, you get caught up in the moment, and you know, you just can't root for your team to lose. Like it's unethical, almost. Yeah, I, I find it difficult for me to sit here and say, "Come on, damn it, drop that, Michael Pittman, or throw a pick, Matt Ryan." Like it's it's just it'll never work like that for me personally, but. There is a silver lining in this loss, and I'm very happy that the Colts are one step closer to drafting a superstar rookie quarterback. I I think this is more than one step closer because I think sitting at four seven and one essentially nope. makes don't, it. Don't don't go into the buy sell segment. No no no, no. I'm just saying okay. I, I I think four seven and one essentially makes it to where you'd have to win out. So I, I believe that mm-hmm. they have to be in a situation now where they have to look at themselves in the mirror and realize that this season's over. So I think this game helps a lot. It's going to help take some people off the, the fence a little bit in the conversation. Um, but mm-hmm. to me, it was the same thing. I went into the game fully wanting to lose, wanting to move into draft season. This team wasn't going anywhere to me already. And at the end of the first half, I was still there. And then Dallas Flowers, Dallas freaking Flowers has the kick return, takes it back into space and score the <laughs> touchdown. And I'm cheering for the stuff, man. I'm, I'm, I'm at heart. It's just hard during games like that. Like it was a game where you could break another curse. This was the yeah. year that the Colts had so many different curses on the schedule you could break. Mm-hmm. And depending on if you count the tie week one as a curse breaker, not none of them were broken. I guess technically, it, it, well, no. The Colts still haven't won a season opener, and they just haven't lost. So they came into the season with a lot of curses on the schedule to start. Week right. one, week one curse. They okay, tied. let me ask you a question. What would you classify the week one curse? The Colts haven't won on week one, or the Colts have lost every week one game since? Um, week- I mean, to me, before the tie, you needed a win to do it. The tie... Mm-hmm. Tech it, to me, it's like a bet. It's like it pushes. Like you don't get your money, but yeah. you get your money yeah. back. That's what uh, the tie felt like that. to me. Yeah. So, like, to me, it didn't break the curse. It, they it still haven't won on opening day. Then week two, you go to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Another curse yep. in the chance to break. We know what happened at Jacksonville. Surprisingly, yes. the curse that got broke is the home opener curse, and it was against the Kansas City Chiefs in week three. God, and God, they get and Chiefs. they get that win. And that's the cur- the lone curse that they went on the year because they had a curse against Pittsburgh that was on the table for today. Again, um, they have not beat the old Pittsburgh Steelers since 2008 now. 
This is eight straight losses. Yeah, me eight. Yep. Eight straight I losses. Definitely saw had that. not had not lost since two thousand and eight, which is fourteen years. Fourteen years ago, man. I'm. That's wild. That is wild. But I mean, you know, we have to think big picture now. We have to think big picture. Uh, this is a good time to go into to our buy sell segment. Um. So buy or sell, Destin. Let's start. Let's start here. The Colts will finish with a top 10 draft pick. And we're talking into the regular season. This isn't a trade-up situation. Yeah, right? no trade. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to buy it anyway. I do think they end up as a top 10 pick. I, I keep looking. I don't know what the rest of the buy or sell questions are, so I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here at all. Um, but no, I, I, think was, you're good. I was looking at the draft order today at teams there. There's multiple teams that really have no reason to lose games. Mm-hmm. Um, that are ahead of us. Um, I also started to go through the process of like what co- what teams needed quarterbacks, but there are teams ahead of us that do not own their dr- first round draft pick. The Rams, who are currently at the number three spot, mm-hmm. the Denver Broncos, who are currently at the four spot, the New Orleans Saints, who are currently at the six spot. None of those teams own their first round pick. None of them. So, oh, and then there's Cleveland, who's also ahead of us at the number 10 spot right now, who have no reason to lose games. And them, more than any of them, probably has the brightest future to win games with yeah, Deshaun Watson coming back this week. Um, yep. So there's just a lot of situations here that, to so me... You buy, so you're buying. Yeah, I, I think they finish in the top 10. I, I think 5 to 8 is probably my prediction. As high as 5... I mean, I would say as low as 12, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. But I think they end in the 5 to 8 range. I'm going to go 7 to 10 range, so I'm buying as well. Uh, I, definitely, I, I almost can't see a scenario where they don't finish with a top 10 pick. Um, like you said, upcoming games against the Cowboys, uh, I think that's a loss in my opinion. I think the Chargers game is a loss in my opinion. Um, Going to Minnesota? Oh, that's a loss against Minnesota. The Giants game is going to be tricky because the Giants, yes, they're playing football. They're not a very talented team. They, they're just really, really well coached. Uh, Brian Dave was doing a phenomenal job over there in his first season. And, and I know th- those guys would be ready to play, but if they're playing for something, pro- possibly a playoff spot, probably, then – I think they find a way to pull out the game, but I think that game is going to be closer than a lot of people is anticipating. And I think the Colts beat Houston. I do think the Colts beat Houston at the end of the season. So I only see one for sure win for Indy. And, man, it's possible that Indy can finish this year with five wins. And if they do that, we'd probably be in that top five range, with the five spot where you're talking about. There's a lot of see that. there is a lot of four win teams. That's like, what I'm saying. Like a ton, and, right and it's a bunch of three win teams. And some of those three win teams can can easily rattle off two wins. Okay, let me let me just read off the teams that because the thing with right now with the Colts is that tie hurts you even more now that you're in the draft pick season. Because the tie, in a sense, could be a positive thing when you're looking at playoff race. Because then, technically, if you end the year with the same amount of wins as the Titans, for example, mm-hmm. even though they have the tiebreaker over you, 
that tie would give it to you. So like that would be in the sense where the tie helped you. Um, in the situation with draft picks, though, it does the opposite. Now every team that has four wins, the Colts are below in draft order. So let me. Oh, you go uh, read out read off the list of teams. Yeah, I'm gonna read off the teams in the NFL you, with four you start wins. With the three wins, uh, four wins. I'll start. With, I'll, I'll start with three wins, but yeah. and then we'll just get to the point where we get to four, which is where the Colts because the Colts are sitting at 14 right now. And I want to say, without seeing what I'm about to pull up, I want to say there's six teams with, with like four wins. I think is, so too. Which is uh, nuts. Yeah, that is wild. But going down the list, Cleveland Browns, who mm. are currently at the 10 pick, have four wins. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who we just beat, or who we just lost to. Are at okay. four wins. The Jacksonville Jaguars are at four Ooh. wins. They had an impressive victory Sunday. The Las Vegas Raiders are at four wins. Mm. The Green Bay Packers are at four wins. The Detroit Lions are at four wins. The Carolina Panthers crazy. are at four wins. The New Orleans Saints are at four wins. The Arizona Cardinals are at four wins. And then we have the Los Angeles Rams are at three wins. The Chicago Bears are at three wins. Three wins right now is the number two pick in the NFL is draft. The, the number two pick currently held by the Chicago Bears. Am I, yes. not, am I right? Yeah. Okay. Three yeah. wins. Denver Broncos, three wins. Like. This is craziness. That's nuts. How many teams? And it's that? funny because like three of those teams don't even own their first round. The, the Rams, the Broncos, and the Saints, right? And 11, 12, 13, 13 teams in the National Football League have three or four wins right now. 13? 13 teams. Y'all wanted parody? Well, it's here. <laughs> parody is here at the lowest of levels we have ever seen it at. You're either really good or you're terrible. <laughs> and so the first four win team comes at pick five. So from pick five to 14, wow. all of those teams have four wins. And because the Colts have the stupid tie, they're they are the 14. They, they're the best of the four-win teams. <sighs> we can't even lose right, man. Oh, my God. All right. So moving on to the next buy or sell question. We both we both bought the first one. Um, Yannick Ngakwe is playing his way into a new contract with the Colts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. 
Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Um, I'm going to sell because I think it's going to be a new front office and the new front office is going to come in and they're going to want younger pieces. I think Yannick has done a lot of good things in the indie area. I think he's really bought into being in the indie market and it sucks that this is the year that it had happened. But and he had a good game Sunday. We didn't talk about him, but he had two sacks on Sunday. So power to you. Exactly Yannick. why I put him in this buy or sell segment. Absolutely why. But I am going to sell just because I think it's going to be a new front office. And I think the new front office is not going to prioritize him. If he finishes the season with 12 and a half, 13 sacks, something ridiculous like that, you'd think the new regime would just let him walk out? Wouldn't even franchise tag him? I mean, there's so many free agent decisions that they're going to have to make, man. The Bobby Okereke one gets worse every week. Uh, like it becomes harder and harder to let him walk. And I, I definitely I, have a lot of decisions to make. I just don't know, man. I mean, the, the address room is bad without Yannick there and Quiddy Pay, who's been hurt. So maybe off of that alone, the new staff would bring him back. And it seems mm-hmm. like he'd want to be here even with a new front office. But I just don't know. We we don't know. We don't even know uh, what defense we'd be running technically. I know. Yannick is up to eight and a half sacks on this season, uh, still with five games to go. Um, barring some type of in- injury, which I doubt he get injured because he's just Mr. Durable. Like, he's Mr. Reliable. He he plays at a, a, an insane amount of games for the position that he plays. Uh, he's had amazingly good health, and I, I hope he continues to have that. So you're selling. Uh, I think I'm going to – I might buy – I might buy this, but and not saying I even agree with it, but I just might buy it just off the sheer fact. You can't let somebody who have 12, 12 and a half sacks, even though the quality of sacks hasn't been that great. Um, as far as what I've, what I've saw from him this year, it's been a lot of, uh, cleanup instances or, or, or different scenarios where a quarterback backs up into him, literally the sack falls in his lap, but he had a great game. <laughs> He had a great game yesterday, and I don't want to take anything away from him. Uh, hopefully, you know he finishes the season out strong, and, and he gets he gets he gets paid, man, because the guy's been through a lot. Uh, all right, last by sell. The offensive line is the number one reason for all the chaos in Indianapolis this season. I mean, easy buy. I mean, because it, it wasn't just how bad it was for a week or two; it was just how bad it was for a long period of time. 
and every dramatic situation that happened this year can be circled back to it. And it sucks that we're talking about this right after this past game because I think overall the offensive line played well this year week. Mm-hmm. After mm-hmm. a really, really, really bad week last week, um, Ryman and Will Fries played better. They still had issues, and they still look young, which is a part of what's going to happen when you throw young guys out there to the fire a little bit. Especially yeah. with the pass rushers coming to town right now for Bernard Ryman. Oh my gosh. It's like power to that guy powering through, I guess. But uh you see my eyes. I'm like Yeah. Okay. Like he's being thrown to the fire and we'll we'll see how he looks after all of it. But I I I'm still gonna buy because it was just such a long period of time and it's such a low mark for them that every single thing that happened was because this offense could not do a thing. And this offense showed in splurts when they had time to do things, they could make plays and they could play well. Against Jacksonville, they had the up-tempo going, and for the first time, the offense we scored 34 points. Mm-hmm. You have and to you have they, to blame it. Yeah, I mean, you have to almost just buy that. Like, you can't not buy it. I mean, it's it's pretty much a given. The offensive line has led to multiple people getting fired, losing their jobs, uh, people getting benched, you know. Um, but not the offensive line coach. The fact that he's been able to survive that, man, to survive all of this is amazing. And he's got, he's that, got plot armor. I was about to say, the dirt he has on Chris Ballard, well, Chris Ballard's not making decisions. The dirt he has on Jim Ursay. It's just it must be foolproof, man. Did you did you ever watch The Walking Dead? The Walking Dead mm-hmm. just came to a conclusion this last month, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I remember Daryl Dixon of The Walking Dead. He'd be in situations all the time where it's like, man, he really should die here, but we just knew he wouldn't. He had plot armor. We knew that we just knew they wouldn't ride him out. We knew they wouldn't <laughs> kill him, and he just kept surviving. He kept surviving. That, that's been Chris Strasser. In a sense, is there's been every reason for him not to be here. There's been every reason for him to be the scapegoat, and they kept finding other people to to do instead. I mean, um, it's an interesting comparison on the podcast. I ne- didn't think I would make a comparison of Chris Strasser to Daryl Dixon, but here we are. Yeah, man, I think the uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts fans just boycotted West Fifty Six. Uh, if Chris Strasser refuses to get let go, you know. I'm sure he'll be let go at the end of the season when the new coaching staff uh, comes in. If Jeff Saturday's not, he's gonna, be na- he's, he's gonna be named head coach. What if they? Na- <laughs> you know what? I I just don't know, man. And the sad part is I can't rule it out with this franchise. Everything's legit on the table here, so I I don't know, man. Uh, Chris Strasser, hey man, salute to you, man. If I can suck this much at my job and still have a job. I do it. I do it, man. But the post office, they will definitely fire me. I'm sure Stampede Blue will fire me as well. So I'm going to continue to try to be good at my job. What about you, Destin? Um, Yeah, I mean, I would like to keep being good at my job. But uh, <laughs> I-, I would love to have Chris Trosser's job security, but I just don't know if I'll ever get there. But uh, that, th- this is a long spinoff of the question of that we're, we're 100% buying the that the offensive line is, it comes back to be the root of all evils for all the craziness that's gone on this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty much self-explanatory. That was probably the easiest of the buy and sell questions. Uh, well, this has been another episode of the saddle up show. Um, 
we're still sad. We're going to be sad until until the Colts are picking number six overall. You know, we're going to be sad up until then. Hopefully, CJ. But don't forget, don't forget, Rashad. If if you didn't, if everyone listening did not get their fix of primetime football, we're back at it this week on Sunday Night Football in the public eye against America's team, Micah Parsons and the Dallas Cowboys. Can't wait to talk about that on Thursday. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Saddle Up Show. And thank you, Destin, for killing the morale. Have a good day. (laughs) 